We are in the Word of God tonight. We're in the book of John, and we are finishing John chapter 2 and and getting into John chapter 3. So if you want to flip to John 2, we'll be in uh, John 2 verse 23, so like the last little chunk in John 2, and then we're going to be going through John chapter 3 verse 12, John 2, 23 through John 3 verse 12. I'm going to read for us, and then we will get into it. And just uh, like honestly, a little warning right now for uh, you if you're here. Guys, I had like really good time with the Lord studying, and I'm pretty juiced. So I know it's kind of like mellow tonight. It's kind of sleepy, but just just be ready. You're about to like hear the word of God preached with all of my might, and you're going to be like, oh my gosh, when will he shut up? It'll be about 45 minutes, but just you can do this. You can endure, um, but I hope you're ready. I hope your ears, your heart is ready to receive what God has for us. I'm really excited to preach it. So if this is me up here like burning like a flame, no problem. It'll be a spectacle. But I think God is going to come and bless us. And I'm going to read and ask him to do that. So let's read John 2 verse 23 uh, to chapter 3 verse 12. Let's do it. Nobody's ready. I'm ready. So it's okay. Here we go. John 2 23. Now, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name. When they saw the signs that he was doing. Sounds good, right? But Jesus, on his part, did not entrust himself to them because he knew all people. And he needed no one to bear witness about man, for he himself knew what was in man. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, We know you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear it sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know, and we bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you that we just heard heavenly things. We just heard from heaven. God, we just heard you, the living God, the King of kings who created everything, who's holding the universe in place. We just heard you speak, God. We just heard heavenly things. And I ask for us right now that you would give us ears to hear, Lord, that you would use your living word by the power of your Holy Spirit, and you would speak to us. God asked that you would save people tonight. 
God, I ask that you would convict us. I ask that you would break us. You would so break us of our sin, Lord, that we would confess and repent and be broken over our sin against you, the living God. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would come and you would blow in this room and it would be so clear that God was in that place and that we heard from God. God, I I ask that you would be here. I don't wanna just waste my time speaking. We ask for the presence of God in this place. Would you come, Holy Spirit? Would you wake up our hearts and our souls to you, to your glorious truth, Jesus? I ask that you would make some of us so desperate to be born again and that you would save God and that you would make others of us so overwhelmed at the fact that we've been born again by nothing that we could have done and we would worship you, Jesus. And I pray more than anything else, Holy Spirit, more than anything else, you would glorify the name and the person of Jesus. You would help our hearts just rejoice at who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. God, give us ears to hear your word and your truth now. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys, the most discouraging part of my walk with Jesus, the absolute worst part of walking with Jesus, is walking with him with my closest friends and watching them walk away from him. I just want to say that you guys, literally the hardest, worst part of my life I promise you this, is walking with Jesus with my best friends and then watching my best friends walk away from Jesus. It's happened far too many times in my short life than I ever thought possible. You guys, and if you walk with Jesus longer than a few years, you will see it happen. You will see your best friends walk away from Jesus. Some of you Westmont students will watch it happen. This is when it happens. A couple years after graduation, people are at Westmont, and it's cool, and it's Christian, and it's like, yeah, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. And then you just watch a year or two after, and you guys, I watch my friends just literally, it's like crude, just drop like flies, one after the other, after the other, after the other. And uh, if someone told me this, if I was sitting under this sermon five years ago, I'd be like, bro, you are crazy, and you're grumpy, and you're negative, and just believe in people. And I would say, just gosh, man, maybe that's your experience. Sorry that you had such a crappy experience following Jesus. It's not going to happen to me and the people I know. And that's honestly fair enough. You guys shouldn't take my word for it, but you should take Jesus' word for it. And we're going to look to Jesus and his word right now. So let's do this. Verse 23 of chapter two says this. Now, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. Just real quick, stop there. On the surface, that's really encouraging, right? Revival, many people believing in Jesus. This is awesome. Jesus is doing miracles. He's healing people. He's doing things. He's casting demons out. There's a huge crowd. Everyone, just picture this room. Just picture it packed out. People just like, I love you, Jesus. You are awesome. I believe in you. And that is encouraging. And there are times in life, I hope, where you've experienced that. And it's just a room, a stadium full of people following Jesus. And it's awesome. But then look at the next verse. This is life. Verse 24, but Jesus on his part did not entrust himself to them because he knew all people. Just stop right there. This is actually a theme. If you read the book of John and if you read his letters of John, it's a theme in John's book that people will believe in Jesus, 
will start off following Jesus. He uses the word belief, faith in Jesus, and will not make it to the end. That's like a theme in the, in the word of God through John. They didn't have true saving faith in Jesus. They believed in Jesus, and then they fell away. First, I'll just read you one verse. First John 2, 19, referring to these people, these very people. They went out from us. But listen, here's a key phrase. This is so important. Don't get confused. But they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they are not of us. Okay, so this is really, really important. These people who believed in Jesus' name, there are people living that you know, you may be one of them right now, you are following Jesus, and then they fall away. And John says later in 1 John 2, they went out from us, but they weren't truly of us. If they had been of us, they would have continued with us. You guys, a Christian is someone who is a Christian on their deathbed every day until they die there with Jesus. Not that you don't stumble, not that you don't struggle, but a Christian finishes walking with Jesus. And Jesus knew this because he was God. He knew this and he knew people and he knew this exact crowd. Guys, just listen, this exact crowd a few years later would say, crucify him. Just just that's so gnarly and so heavy. This exact crowd who said, we love you, we believe in you, would say in a few years, crucify him. We have no king but Caesar. And Jesus knew that. And so when these people believed in him, he's like, you know what? I'm not entrusting myself to you. We don't actually have a relationship because I know you. And then we get a deeper insight. Okay, this is so gnarly. What is happening, John? Why are you being so depressing? Look at verse 25. It gets worse. And he needed no one to bear witness about man, for he himself knew what was in man. That phrase is really interesting. What, quote, what was in man? Jesus knew what was in man. Man there is a word refers to humanity, men and women. Sorry, women, this is you too. He knew what was in humanity. Okay, what is in us that Jesus knows about? What is in you that Jesus knows about? Okay, this is like an interesting important question. Uh, there's like basically two sides. You can sum it up in two points. I'm gonna do it like this. Number one, what is in us? Genesis one and two tell us one part, one aspect of what is in us. This is, this is actually encouraging, so just enjoy this. Okay. We, human beings, are the only created thing that have been made in God's image. We are the only created thing that have been made in the image of God. You if you are a human, have incredible dignity. You are the most valuable created thing God has ever made. You have dignity. And I love this. Genesis 2-7 says, God formed man out of the dust of the ground. Okay, even if that's poetry and not literal, how did God make everything else? Anybody? Quick Bible quiz. He spoke, right? He spoke and the light happened. He spoke and earth happened. He spoke and animals happened. Then it says he stopped and he formed man. He didn't speak man into existence. He stopped and he formed man out of the dust of the ground. You were formed by the hands of God in some amazing way. And, but then it's also awesome because how, what did he use? Did he use like start? 
like glory. No, he used dust, right? You are an incredible blend of dirt and divinity. Just that's cool. You are a ridiculous, incredible blend of dirt and divinity, and you've been made in the image of God. So that's one glorious truth. Man, I am in the image of God. I'm valuable. God loves me, and I have such dignity just existing. That's one thing that is in you. But that's not what Jesus is is thinking about in verse 25 when he says he knew what was in man. Okay, if you keep reading Genesis, just one chapter, Genesis chapter 3, if you know the story, we, uh, our representatives, the first humans, rebel against their maker, and we as a race are cursed and have now been deeply tainted and broken with sin. Ever since that day, every human has been deeply tainted and broken. And when John says Jesus knew what was in man, he's referring to that aspect of your humanity. You are deeply, deeply flawed to the core. You are in the image of God and you are deeply, deeply flawed. Now, that's not like fun for like, you know, I'm not writing that, thinking about the Bible when it says that like, oh, they're going to love hearing this. This is, this is really, this is great. I'm excited to teach them this. Um, but it's there in the word of God. And uh, in addition to that, no one else is telling you that. No one else is telling you you're flawed. No, no other song. I mean, if it's a good song, it may hint on it. But for the most part, you guys, we live in a stream, a culture that says, man, you are good. You are fundamentally good to the core. And maybe there's some things that are off in society. Maybe, you know, the government's broken or there's been some like injustice or it's a system. But like at the core, you're good. And so we're going to take a minute and we're going to look at what God has said about this quality because it's essential if we're going to get this whole picture. What is in us? What does it mean that we're broken? And I normally don't do this, but this is really important for you to see with your own eyes to know I'm not just crazy. Um, Flip to Ephesians chapter 2, and you have to see uh, probably the best summary of what John's talking about. He knew what was in man. It's in Ephesians 2, and it's just in the first couple verses of Ephesians chapter 2. This really sums up our issues. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2, remember these are God's words, and this is what Jesus was thinking about when people were like, I love you, Lord. It's going to be heavy. And this is what God has said about us. Ephesians 2, here we go. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, that's Satan, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Okay, if you keep reading that chapter, it's like the best thing ever, but we just have to take a moment and look at what Jesus is thinking about is in us. You guys, we are dead in our sin. We were following Satan. Like, what? I know I wasn't, but that's what he says. We were in the passions of our flesh, and by nature, we were children of wrath. Like, what does that even mean? I'm a child of God. When you were born, you were born a child of wrath. Okay, you guys, this is really, really important. If we're going to get the good news of what's coming 
In John 3, we have to sit in what Jesus is thinking about in us. In John chapter 2, we are deeply, deeply flawed. And this isn't just a minor point. Listen, some people say, hey, I wish we didn't talk about sin all the time. I wish we would just talk about happy stuff. Listen, we need to talk about what the Bible talks about. This is not minor. Uh, I'm just going to give you a couple of men of God who have talked about this. You ever heard of Moses? He's a pretty big deal. He said in Genesis 8, through the Holy Spirit, the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. David, you ever heard of David? Uh, Through the Holy Spirit, he said, no one living is righteous before you in Psalm 143. Solomon, his son, you ever heard of Solomon? He said in 1 Kings 8, there is no one who does not sin. Job, you ever heard of Job? He's an awesome guy. He said in Job 9, how can man be in the right before God? Jeremiah, prophet, ever heard of him? He said in Jeremiah 17, the heart, your heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Paul wrote most of the New Testament, said all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. John said in 1 John, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So I have to say to someone who say, why do we talk about sin? Because like everybody in the Bible talks about it and it's important. And if you say to me, I wish we didn't talk about sin, I would say to you with 1 John 1, 8, if you say you have no sin, you are deceived and the truth is not in you. And if someone tells you, hey, don't talk about sin, they are deceived. And I know it's so radical and so unpopular, but I have to ask you honestly, do you share God's view of humanity? Do you agree with that? Do you agree with God? And in addition, just it's not worse on our end, but so we're evil. And then you add like personal evil, like Satan and demons. And listen, that's how you can explain things like Las Vegas. That's how. When we say, what, how can this be? Well, because we are evil. And because there's a personal evil just constantly tempting us, trying to draw that out of us. You guys, it is so foolish to say, man, Las Vegas, you know what really, it's just if we could change the laws, if we could get a new president, if we could do this. You guys, the problem is we are evil. And that is what Jesus knows about and is thinking about when all these people are saying, I trust you and and I believe in you. He's saying, no, you don't. I know what is in you. And so when we are honest for a five minutes about what the Bible has to say about us and our condition, there should be, if you're half awake, this like, oh, like, God, like, what can we do? Who can be saved? What hope is there for us? And that's the right response that John wanted. And that's why he goes right into this story in John chapter three. These like chapter breaks weren't original in the Bible. It's just something we did to help us uh, like move around. And this was like a continual, John wanted us to read verse 23 to 25 and then read this story. And so when we're feeling the heaviness of like, oh my gosh, Jesus knows what is in me. What hope is there for us? I want you to skip down to verse seven. And I want you to say, to look at the end, the last phrase, this is the hope. What hope is there? What can we do? What hope is there for my heart? Jesus says, you must be born again. And the, you guys, listen, the only way for you to follow Jesus and enter the kingdom of God is through a supernatural miracle that God alone can do. The only way for you to truly follow Jesus isn't for you to make a profession of faith. 
It's not for you like in these people to say, I believe in you. I've seen your power and your glory. I believe in you. That's not the way in. That was, not, that was part of the problem. The only way to follow Jesus truly and rightly and enter the kingdom of God is you must be born again. Something like deeper and more profound has to occur than just you saying, man, I like Jesus. I think I want to believe in Jesus. Something deeper and more profound has to occur. You must be born again. Okay, so we're going to, I want us to like walk through this story a little bit in a unique way um, to explain what does it mean to be born again. Um, It's going to be really quick, but it's also going to be eight points. So let's do this. Eight points on being born again. Number one, Jesus uses the metaphor of birth for a reason. You must be born again. My wife's about to have a baby. He's born. It's like, he's like, it's like that. You must be born again. You're, we're all born, but you must be born again. Why is he using this metaphor of birth? Well, because remember Ephesians 2, what was the very first thing he said? You remember? And you were dead, right? You were dead. Every one of us was born spiritually dead. That's a really gnarly idea, and that's a biblical idea. You were born bodily alive, and your soul was dead. And God says, I have the power to reverse death and bring a new birth and make you born again and make you spiritually alive. Okay, we're all born physically alive and we're born spiritually dead. And we have to, the God has to do this thing where it's as profound as a birth. Picture this, if you're in the womb, none of us remember that, but you're living in the dark, can't see anything it's constrained. Everything's like muffled. You can't, it's just weird, right? And then all of a sudden, it's like, boom, light and life and freedom. And you can stretch your arms and there's color and there's people. And the whole world has literally opened up to you. And you're like, what is this? And normally you're like crying and you're freaking out. Like, what is this? I'm alive. Okay. Something that profound has to happen to your soul if you are going to follow Jesus. It's not like, oh, you know what? I think I'm interested in him. It's, I am in a dark, constrained place. I can't see anything. I don't understand anything. I can't hear anything. It's just blurry. And then the universe opens up to me and I see life and color and I'm free. And I am like, I am born. This is so profound. That has to happen to you if you want to follow Jesus. If you want into the kingdom of God, that has to happen. And if that hasn't happened, you are not in the kingdom of God. If that has not happened, you are not in the kingdom of God. Point number two, this birth is an act of God alone. Okay? What baby decided, I want to be conceived and be born? What baby decided that? It doesn't even make sense. You can't even think because you don't exist. Birth happens to you. You don't create yourself. You have no control over who your parents were and how they met and what happened for you to be conceived. It simply happens to you. Listen, it is the same thing spiritually. You have no control over being born again. You cannot do that. The faith that you need to believe in Jesus doesn't even exist. The faith you need to cling to Jesus does not exist. And it only happens if God says, I will breathe life to this soul. 
the technical word for that moment is regeneration, new life, new birth. In case you don't believe me, I'm going to read you three verses. If you keep reading in Ephesians 2, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, listen, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. If you are saved, you didn't save yourself. God saved you. Uh, in first, oh, I didn't write the book reference. Oh, it's John. It's John 1, chapter 12 and 3. We read it a few chapters earlier in John chapter 1. It says, We were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. Listen, if you're a Christian, it was not because you wanted to be one. If you are a Christian, no flesh and no will of man did that. God did that. I'm going to read one more. It is, it's in verse 8 of chapter 3. It's a little metaphorical and like cosmic, but he says, The wind blows where it wishes. You hear its sound, but you, don't, you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Listen, none of us can like summon the wind. Too bad. And it just comes and it goes. And that's like the Holy Spirit. And, and you can't be like, Holy Spirit, save me now. Like this wind, like save me. He comes and saves and then he goes. It is God's sovereign act for someone to be born again. Here's the perfect metaphor for it. And I'm gonna start with the bad metaphor. Do you know how we tend to think of salvation is this? Do you know what? I'm like drowning in the ocean of my sin and it was miserable and I'm like, oh, I need you, God. And then you cry out to God and he's like, okay. And he comes in a lifeboat and he like throws you a rope or he throws you a, the circle thing or even he jumps in and he hugs you and he's like, I got you. And then you like go to the boat together. That's a nice picture. Do you know what happened though? You were dead. You drowned. You were at the bottom of the ocean. And nobody at the bottom of the ocean is saying, help me. You are dead. You have no breath. You have no will. You have no power to save yourself. You were dead, drowned at the bottom of the ocean. And God, in his mercy, said, I'm going down there. And he dives down and he breathes new breath and life into something that is dead, and it comes alive, and then you go to the boat together. That is salvation. That is the new birth. It is not by the will of the flesh, not by the will of the man. The wind blows where it wishes. Salvation is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. The new birth is new life from an absolutely dire situation. Worst case scenario, dead in your sins, your soul is dead, and God has mercy on you. Point number three, because it is God alone, that has implications. Number three is this is not a religion by man's works. You guys, following Jesus, walking with Jesus, walking in the kingdom of God is not about what you do for God. Re Ephesians 2a, I'm just gonna keep reading this verse and emphasize something else. By grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works. Did you hear that? Not a result of works. Why? Glad you asked, Paul says. So that no one can boast, right? Why, like when we do something cool, we're like, look what I did. I'm really proud of myself. And I get to like boast in it. He's saying, you don't get to do that when you walk with me. You are saved because I saved you. It is not a result of your works. You had bad works, but I 
we'll save you. And he says, for we are his workmanship. Every single Christian who has ever lived is the workmanship of God. And who gets the credit? The artist. The artist. We're crazy to think like a statue. It's like, oh man, look at me. I'm better than that statue. Like, you had no, you were, someone else made you. That is salvation. That is walking with Jesus. Listen, you guys, this is really, really important. Walking with Jesus is not mainly about obeying Jesus. It's not mainly doing the right things for Jesus. Listen, walking with Jesus has to start with a supernatural, mysterious, impossible miracle, new birth. It is not what you did for Jesus, not that you earned it, not that you believed more than them and now you are saved People aren't Christians because they believe and other people don't believe. People are Christians because God says, I will save you by grace. It is not by your works. And listen, you guys, that is why these people in verse 23, listen, people can like Jesus. People can follow Jesus. They can even see miracles of Jesus. And you are not, and you are still not born again. And I just, I have to say, don't waste your time trying to earn God's love through your own works. Don't waste your time trying to be religious if you are dead. Don't waste your time. Listen, it's miserable. Do you know how miserable it is to obey Jesus and you don't even really love Jesus? Like Paul said, if we follow Jesus for this life alone, we are the most to be pitied. And what he's talking about is you're, not only are you missing out on like joy in life with God, you're also missing out on like eating and drinking and being merry. Like you're not like enjoying everything else in life. You're just miserable. You don't have nightlife in the Lord and you don't have, I said nightlife, but I mean that. And you don't have nightlife in the world. You have no life. You have no life from God. You have no life in the world. Don't be religious. It's miserable. Listen, if you don't love God, you may as well find joy somewhere else. Don't try and earn your works so that God will love you. It is the most miserable life. If you are dead, Don't get your act together. You need new life. You need new life from God. Point number four is that new birth always brings new life. That's like a no-brainer, right? When a baby's born, he's alive and he lives his life. When you are born again spiritually, your life will show it. Your life will prove that you are alive If someone is born dead, they will lay there and be dead. If someone is born alive, they will grow up and live. Now, let me ask you about your walk with Jesus. Have you just been laying there dead since that moment when you said, I want to follow Jesus? Or have you like grown and started walking and like doing new things and like walking with Jesus and growing up and learning to walk and then learning to run and like as your life with Jesus full of life, Or is it dead? And the only way to bear fruit, to to walk with Jesus, the only way for your life to bear the fruit of following Jesus is to get life from the source, from the root. And I'm going to change metaphors for a second. John talks about this in John 15. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you, listen, an avocado tree The only way for a branch to produce avocados is if it's connected to the tree, 
right? You can't cut off an avocado tree it's la- or a limb. It's laying on the ground, and it's thinking, man, I just want to bear avocados. I just want to make avocados. That's nonsense. It has to be connected. The only way for you to bear fruit in walking with Jesus is to be connected a living relationship with the root, which is Jesus. And when you spend time with Jesus and you're connected to Jesus, fruit just happens. You don't think about it really. You're just like, man, I like being connected and life happens. And I just want to ask you, I'm just going to point out like maybe the two or three most important fruits of the Christian. And I want you to ask yourself, is this me? Am I bearing these fruits? And if you're not, remember, it's not We'll go try and make avocados. It's like, you need new life. You need to be with Jesus. So number one, are you making a practice of sinning? John says later in a letter, no one born of God makes a practice of sinning. For God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he's been born of God. Do you make a practice of it? Are you getting better at it? Are you advancing in sin? Is your life like practicing, like what you would think of practicing a sport? Are you practicing sin? Because if you are, you are not born of God. Number two, quick check, are you repenting every time you do sin? First John, John says later, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So this is good news. Listen, Christians aren't perfect and Christians aren't sinless, but they hate their sin and they repent of their sin and they go to Jesus with their sin. Christians stumble and they fall into temptation. And then do you know what Christians do who are alive? They stand up. And they turn around and they go back to Jesus. And they say, Jesus, I am sorry for stumbling and falling. And I'm going to confess my sin to my brothers and sisters. Do you confess your sin? Or are you trying to hide it to like prove yourself somehow? Trying to bear fruit on your own? Probably the most important mark of a Christian maybe is I confess my sin. Because I hate it. I hate it. Here's another one. Do you love people? It's kind of a hard one for some of us. Not just God. Some of us, uh, like, we're like, man, I love spending time with the Lord. But like, oh, that person, it's really hard for me to spend time with. Listen to what John says later. Whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Listen, you can't be born again and hate your brothers or sisters. You can't. And then here's along those lines, can you forgive your brothers and sisters? Jesus said, if you don't forgive others their trespasses, neither will the Father forgive you your trespasses. Are you holding a grudge? I just want to say the fruit, the, when you see someone born again, they can forgive people. It's not like easy, but you can. It's point number four, being born again brings life. Point number five is this. There are dead people walking around. Now, this is what I mean. Nicodemus was religious, and Nicodemus loved the word of God, and Nicodemus loved obeying God, and Nicodemus would say, I love God, and he was walking around doing religious stuff, and he was like a zombie. He was dead on the inside. You guys, there are many, many, many people and professors, and guys, it breaks my heart, pastors who profess and do stuff and are not born again. 
if you like study church history and revivals, like it is so common that there's like great movements and people, they don't even, it's not about Jesus. It's about the religion and it's about doing things for God. Don't be surprised that there are people walking around who are like spiritual, yet they are dead on the inside. And I just have to say, this is, this is hard, but this is what makes an altar call really dangerous. And this is what I mean. There's nothing wrong with someone saying like, man, if you love Jesus and you want to confess your sins and believe in him, come forward. And probably like myself, many of us have had that experience. We're like, yeah, I want Jesus. But listen, again, making a decision is not the same thing as being born again. And you guys, if you, if you look at like studies of America, it's like, man, 70% are like, yeah, I did that. I made a profession. I'm a Christian. I'm born again. Being born again doesn't, doesn't come by saying I believe it comes by the Holy Spirit doing something supernatural. And so there are maybe many churches full of people like, man, I made that profession. Just like John chapter 2, verse 23, many people believing, and they're not yet really alive. Point number six, this one's really important. If we begin by the Holy Spirit, if you begin walking with Jesus by this work of the Holy Spirit, breathing life into you, we have to finish by the Holy Spirit. Now, this is really important. This is, I mean, this is my own heart, you guys. This is what I struggle with. I am tempted to think, man, thank you, God, for saving me. Thank you, God, that I have new life. Now I, in my own strength, have to follow you. And I got to obey you. And I got to get my act together. And do you know what I'm trying to do? I'm trying to be perfected with my strength in the flesh. And the whole book of Galatians is about don't do that. Don't just try harder to follow Jesus. Don't just try harder to do the right stuff. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 3, Paul says, Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now perfected by the flesh? And, and he said in verse 6, That which is born of the flesh is the flesh. Listen, you cannot beat your sexual sin by trying harder. You can't do it. You cannot do it. You need the Spirit of God in you to give you strength to beat sexual sin. You will never conquer your doubt on your own, with your own mind, reading books, by good reasons alone. You need the spirit of God to conquer your disbelief, your unbelief, and say, no, believe in the Lord. Every area where you are struggling in life, you need the Lord. You need the Holy Spirit. You need to stop striving with your own might and your own strength. You need God. The same way you started with God, you have to walk by the power of God and finish by the power of God. Point number seven, this one's uh, hard. Uh, miracles, though awesome, are not enough to create faith. And we see that again in verse 23. These people believed in Jesus because they saw all the stuff he did. And then they weren't saved. And listen, it's really tempting to be like, God, just give me a sign. God, please just heal me. God, please just show me something. And that's not wrong because Jesus does and is fully able to heal and bring people back from the dead and to do awesome things. But seeing a miracle does not create faith. It won't create faith. These people, thousands of people saw miracles of Jesus and they didn't have saving faith. And Bible says miracles are awesome and they're a gift and they encourage faith that is already there, but they can't create faith. What creates faith? Only the hand and work of God. 
just, I mean, even quickly, I, I saw this happen when uh, Travis and I were in youth group together. We saw this guy come in. He had gout in his feet, and he didn't believe in God. And we're like, hey, can we pray for you? And he's like, yeah, okay, sure. And we were like, hey, dude, if God heals you, like, what are you going to say? And he was like, I'll be chast for the rest of my life. I'll be a missionary to the nations. I'll give away all my stuff. I'll do anything for the Lord. And we're like, okay, cool. And so we pray for him. And I prayed for a lot of people, and I have not seen many people healed. And he comes back the next week, and he's fully healed, fully healed. And we're like, bro, are you serious? And he's like, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of weird. It's cool. And like, that was, the, like, that was all that we ever talked about again. He's like, yeah, that was, that, was, that was weird. That was crazy. He didn't believe in Jesus, and he was healed by Jesus. I've seen it with my eyes. These people have seen miracles of God, and yet their hearts were still dead. Number eight, the last point I'll say on being born again, you guys, this is why, point number eight is, this is why mission, missions matters. It doesn't matter how good somebody is. It doesn't matter how devout somebody is. It doesn't matter how faithful they are to religious, like, rules. They need to hear the gospel. And though they are wicked to the core, God loves them and came for them and died for them. And then the Holy Spirit has to give faith so that they can be saved. You have to be born again. And you guys, billions of humans are not born again. And the only way God made is that they would hear the gospel of Jesus and that they would be born again. You cannot enter the kingdom of God unless you were born again. If you are just somehow the only perfect human on an island, you need to be born again, though. Like, the only hope for the world is that they would be born again. This is why missions matters, because God loves the world, and he has ordained the way for them to be saved through us sharing the gospel. Now, okay, some of you guys are probably, like Nicodemus, feeling this. Like, how can these things be? This is intense. This is crazy. Verse 9, he says, how can these things be? The disciples had a similar response in Matthew 19. It says, when the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished, saying, who then can be saved? Because listen, we're supposed to feel how impossible this all is. You're supposed to feel how impossible it is to like be born again. They're like, who can be saved? And I love in Matthew 19, the, the very thing Jesus says to the disciples at that moment is he says, it says, but Jesus looked at them and said, with man, it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. You guys, new life, being born again, was made possible. Listen, new life has been made possible through the death of Jesus. Jesus the Son of God, God himself, died and then rose again. And if we put our trust in hearing that news, new life can happen. And baptism represents, man, I died in Christ and I have new life. And resurrection, when Jesus died and came back, represents new life. And Jesus says, the only hope to be born again is because I died. The author of life died and conquered death, that if we hear these words and the Spirit blows in our hearts, we can be born again. You can be born again. And maybe some of you guys are like, man, this is like important, but how do I like know? How do I know if I'm born again? And that's a valid question. Um, 
And I would just kind of talk about fruit in your life. And I'd say, do you repent of your sin? Do you hate your sin? And not just the consequences. Like, man, I hate that I offended and that I offended God. Not just like, oh, this is going to be a bummer. I have to like, this is like, no, I sinned against God. Are you growing? Like, are you like, is life happening in your walk with Jesus? Are you growing in love for God? Are you growing in love for people? Are you being made more holy? Because the Holy Spirit, one of his primary jobs is making people holy. He loves making people holy. And and of 1 Thessalonians, it says, God is faithful. God will do it. He's the one who sanctifies you. Are you being made, is your life turning into more of a masterpiece by the hand of God? Is that true of you? And maybe you're like, man, I don't know if I'm born again. And maybe you're like, I don't even, I don't, I don't think I'm born again. Listen, hear the good news. Tonight, be born again. Ask Jesus, confess your sins. Say, Jesus, I'm sorry. I believe that I am sinful to the core and yet you love me and died for me and all of my sin is washed away. I believe. Jesus says, believe on the Lord Jesus. Repent tonight. If you're like, I don't know. Listen, you have sin in your life. Repent and believe in the name of Jesus. Ask the spirit of God, please give me new life. Like I, I really am praying people are born again tonight. You may be in church your whole life. You may have been hearing the Bible your whole life, just like Nicodemus, but you're dead on the inside. And you look at people worshiping, you're like, man, I just don't, I never really felt that. And just reading my Bible is just a chore and following Jesus is just a chore. Listen, like you can be born again tonight. Like we can like see people born again tonight. And if that's you, I would just say, please come to Jesus and be born again. And if you are born again. You're like, praise God, I'm not perfect. I am stumbling, but there is life and I see the work of God in my life. This is what I would say as we head into worship. Just be so overwhelmed by God's goodness and grace to you. Because the truth is like, he didn't have to save us. He didn't have, he's not obligated. And yet he did. And yet he would look at rebels like me who would live my whole life just proud and trying to be religious and in rebellion. And he says, I love you still. I love you enough to convict you of your sin and give you new life. And if that is you, you're like, I cannot believe that I am saved. Just simply thank the Lord and rejoice that he has saved you and given you new life. You guys, being born again is so, it is essential. We cannot enter God's kingdom apart from being born again. And so as we worship right now, we're going to have plenty of time to be before the Lord. And I just want us to be still before the Lord. It's, it's right. The Bible says, examine yourself. Like examine, like, Lord, am I born? Am I saved? Am I born again? I don't know, Lord. Like confess your sin. We're going to have time where you can confess and, and claim the blood of Jesus. And, and this is my prayer that not a single one of us would leave tonight like dead. That we together would leave full of life having worshiped and enjoyed Jesus who is able to save us. So I'm going to pray. The worship team's going to come up and then we're just going to either confess and get right and be born again or we're just going to worship God for saving us, for doing what we could have never done on our own. So Jesus, I just say thank you that you love us though you know what is in us. Jesus, would we not be ashamed to speak of what your word says. And like, man, we're sinners and we rebelled against you on purpose. And yet, God, would we believe the fact that you still 
love the world in rebellion to you and you would come to a dead world and you would give it life and you would give life through your death. Jesus, just help us be astounded at the way you give us life is that you had to die. You had to lay your life down, that you would take the punishment of our sin that we deserved and that you would rise again and you would say, man, come and follow me, do the same. So Holy Spirit, please, please blow tonight. I ask that you to do what only you can do, that you would pour out your spirit, you would convict us of sin, you would show us the glory of Jesus and his love for us. God, I ask that people would be born again tonight and that we would walk out of here tonight rejoicing that we have new life, that though we were dead, we are alive, that though we were far off, you have brought us near, that though we were born a child of wrath, we have now become a child of God, that we would just be so overwhelmed by the fact that you would call us your son and your daughter. It's like better than adoption, like we were dead, and then you made us alive, and then you said, come be mine. Jesus, would we just rejoice in your love for us? Would you come now, God? Would you come and move, come and blow? Have your way in our hearts, Lord. Would you be worshiped now for the glory and the name of Jesus?